God, I just thank you so very much that you love us. Lord, that you care about us, that you have not left us um, on our own by ourselves. But Lord, instead that you have sent your son for us. And that you, God, the Holy Spirit are here now in this place to guide us into truth, to help us. Uh, Lord, it's certainly not easy for us and we need your help. And so I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here now to calm us, to help us focus, to help us hear your word and taste and see that it's good, to digest it, to apply it, to take action from it. We thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Last Sunday, we started a series called Healthy talking about our spiritual health, and uh, this is definitely uh, going to be a two-parter. Uh, so if you missed last Sunday, I apologize in advance. We, we don't always uh, do this, but the good thing is, is that at cityharborchurch.com and through podcast apps, you can download, you can stream the audio, you can also access notes uh, from previous weeks. We are going to turn to Ephesians chapter 3. If you've got a physical copy of the Bible... You hit that uh, towards the right. You hit Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians. Make sure we get to Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. So if you hit Philippians or Colossians, you've gone too far. Turn back a little bit. Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to start our reading in verse 16. Uh, Now, I laid out context for this uh, last Sunday. Uh, The letter is to people like us and has started by talking about how our state of being is changed when we receive the love of Jesus. How our state of being is changed when we receive the love of Jesus. That's the context of where we are right now. Picking up in verse 16. I'm going to start on verse 14. When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able, through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, the phrase you see on the screen that we're using to talk about spiritual health is made complete. And in your older English translations, if you were looking at one of those this morning, you see, may you be filled with the fullness. And one of the things that we 
have learned is that the ancient languages, particularly ancient Greek, is much more expressive than English, and so it helps us to read a couple of different translations in order to really understand what's going on. And last week, and again today, I'm going to help give you a context of what the heck they were talking about so that we can understand what they're talking about. Because if not, it, it will we will only have a peripheral, a, a top level, a surface level understanding of this, and it'll be either, oh, I feel that warm, gooey feeling, or I don't. But that would miss what is really being discussed here. It is kind of a, you complete me. (laughs) Yeah, that, that is what he is talking about, that God would pour his love into us to a point of overflowing, to a point that would make complete us as a person. And so our our kind of thesis phrase, if you will, here is through God's love, we can be healthy. Last week we unpacked this and the bullet points in in a definition of healthy, you see on the screen here, free from disease or pain, enjoying well-being of body, mind, and spirit in a good state, sound, whole, hearty, robust, lively, vital, not sick or injured, not weakened, not run down, not worn out. And in our spirits, it would mean I'm not lacking anything. I'm not incomplete. There isn't a God-shaped hole on the inside of me. I'm not aching to fill that hole by self-medicating in a variety of ways or trying to use other people to fill that hole, which is always going to prove destructive. You put trying to fulfill you ultimately on someone else, it's never going to turn out good. So last week we talked part one, salvation, God's love is a gift for me. And we covered some verses to help us get a context of what they were talking about in this letter, what this meant to them. And so we looked at four questions. Where did we come from? You see the verses on the screen And what we have learned is that we came from the one true living God, Yahweh the Creator, God the relational one, God who already had relationship within a trinity, who did not create us to fill some void that he was missing. God is not putting on us what he is lacking. It's a very important distinction. So we learned God created you and saved you because he loves you. Hey, guess what? God loves you. The good news is not, hey, show up to this and you will be a better person or act this way and then God will love you. No, it's the opposite. Christianity following Jesus is actually the only of the major world religions that does not say, hey, come and act this way and then you will be accepted or you will be received or you will be better. No, it's the opposite. Receive the love of Jesus and that is what makes you better. Well, that was a really good time to say amen. Just in case you are wondering, we do believe in talking back to the preacher. You are a child. I said it. Bless him, Lord. You are a child of the one true living God. You, the one true living God who is full of love, like filled to overflowing. When God came down, described himself to Moses in Exodus chapter 34, he said, I am overflowing with this. God who is in control. You are created in his image. The second 
question we looked at is why did things go wrong? And not all of us really need help with that. But guess what? You didn't do anything to deserve this. You were born into this situation, y'all. We are jacked up. We are living in a jacked up world with the curse of sin. Thank you, Adam and Eve. Right? What we learn from that is that we are in need of help to remove our guilt and restore our relationship with God and others. Two kids sitting in a mud puddle can't clean each other. That was good. We need a Jesus one who is clean to make us clean. I thought that was good. What will put things right? We read these verses last week. We didn't get quite as far as I had hoped to describe this. What will put things right is Jesus and what he has already done for us, which we would come to understand as the incarnation, meaning Jesus showed up in flesh. God gave us love by sending his son Jesus to the earth for us. Jesus in his substitution. Jesus took our sin on himself. When he was on the cross, it says it's almost described like pulling a blanket up over to cover yourself. Jesus took our sin on himself. Paying the penalty for us, accepting the condemnation and rejection that we deserve. From God and restoration. Jesus will accomplish the eventual restoration of all that has gone wrong in our world. And our conclusion is this Jesus, Yeshua, the Son of God, has made a way for our guilt to be removed and our relationships to be restored. Thank you, Jesus. That's why we sang that song this morning. The fourth question How can I be put right? Well, Jesus talked about this mystery in John 3, spoke of being born again. Yeah, that the crazy ones, right? The ones that have been regenerated, made new by the power of Jesus, a spiritual new birth. And the context of our Ephesians passage, it, it's talked about when you believed. And Jesus often said, repent or you will perish. Jesus made it clear that even though God has already done the heavy lifting, even though it has already been accomplished for you, It falls to us to respond by confession of faith that we believe that salvation is possible because of Jesus. To receive His love, to repent of our to turn away from living to please ourselves and to turn to Him. To live our life out of a thank you. God has forever wanted to restore the spiritual Garden of Eden he established at the beginning, which is, you can do all this, just don't do this one thing. That's a spiritual freedom that God is wanting us to step into. That sounds a little mysterious. Okay. So our response determines our health. Now this morning, here's what I want to talk about. God's love is strong where you are not. How can I experience what is being written about in that Ephesians passage where I would let my roots grow down into the love of God and have a transformative experience? A, and they're very much the passage here. And when Jesus said, love God with all you've got, it speaks to our intellect. Christianity is not where we check our brain at the door. There's not a stitch of faith and reason, of of scientific evidence. There's not a stitch of philosophy and searching questions out that God doesn't want us to do. 
He wants us to identify our questions. He wants us to be honest about our doubt. Did you know that your doubt can lead you to a stronger faith? But whenever you use questions as a crutch, atheists use questions as a crutch more than Christians use Jesus as a crutch. Oh, I've got this question. I heard this. I heard there's contradictions in the Bible, so it can't be true. Have you investigated it? Can you tell me, sir, what the contradictions are? Not one person yet has given me a good answer. (laughs) But until you have searched it out for yourself, it can't come out into the light. You can't start to live in a way where you actually know what the heck you believe and why you believe it. But Jesus said, love God with all you've got. He included your intellect. And some of us, oh, I have come to believe. I've checked the mental ascent box. I believe that it's God. And then we've stopped using our brain. And so what happens as a result is we start to lose wonder and awe at the mystery of who God is. And so what happens slowly but surely is worship is not easy anymore. We don't sing our adoration. We don't start our daily prayer with adoration because our mind has become disengaged from our spiritual relationship with God. That is a cancer. It is a weakness. It will destroy you. Love God with your brain. Love God with your emotions. Emotions are not bad. They are not a sign of weakness. God created emotions. Yet all of them. Love God with all your emotions. Love God with all your physical body. We talked about this recently. Love God with all of your person. Now regardless of your theology or philosophy about if a person is one and whole or body, soul, spirit, and all these things. I'm not going to get into that today, but I'm going to talk about your whole person. And we're talking about your whole person and your spirit being made complete by having an experience around receiving salvation and receiving the love that Jesus has given you. And in in such a way that is transformative to you, in such a way that brings you strength where you don't have it. I may not know, but God knows. In what area of your life is there no peace? In what area of your life is there no joy? In what area of your life is there no love? See, God knows. If this is a struggle, I recommend that you read Psalm 139 every day. Psalm 139 helps us to understand that God has done a creative miracle with every human life. God didn't only create Adam and Eve and maybe his sons of Nephilim and a couple other weird people. (laughs) There is a moment of creation at conception where God does a creative miracle. Read Psalm 139 every day and tell me that you believe something different. And what that means is that God knows you better than anyone else. And what that means is that when you come in today, and maybe you're wearing a mask like was talked about earlier today, and you're pretending that things are all right when they're not. Listen, God is not afraid of whatever it is that you're feeling, of whatever it is that you're questioning. God created you. God created you by design because he loves you. God has offered you redemption because he loves you. God has offered you peace. 
peace where there is no peace. There, God has offered you joy where there is no joy. God has offered you strength where there is no strength. Oh, Pastor Ben, that's, you're very excited and that's nice. Okay. So, so I want to I wanna bring to a certain point I'd say thank you, Ben, but people on the recording will think that's weird. Um, there are three Bens in the room, so everybody knows. It's not me, myself, and I. So what if this morning what you're saying is, I am affected by insecurity or anxiety in ways that are beyond my control? What, what if that's your reality? And, and let me tell you, I, I have experienced this reality And I have found that searching out what the love of God for me means in the scripture changed that issue in my life. Now, I'm not perfect. I'm human, clearly, right? But it brought change in my life that was not otherwise possible. Now, I want to pause here and talk a moment about mental health. Because anytime we talk about health and we talk about spiritual health, there's going to be things in the room going on that might become an obstacle to you receiving the spiritual truth of the Word of God. In our church, with our elders and our parent church and our organization of churches, let me just describe to you what we believe. We believe both that God, our Creator, can heal anyone at any time in any way He wants to. That can come in a moment, or it can be a process of anything. Okay? We believe it. We pray for it. We get disappointed when it doesn't happen. We search out the questions of why it doesn't happen. We, we deal with our grief, our discouragement. But we believe that God can heal a person of any issue at any... If God can raise the dead... Okay? We believe this. We also believe that God has given us a mind and God has given us an ability to learn. And so we also believe, just as we believe in physical doctors. I saw one this week, by the way. I damaged my elbow. And so it's like, I'm wearing this coat because I'm covering up a little brace the doctor told me to wear. Is that stupid? How stupid? That's kind of stupid. We believe that God can heal anyone at any time. Did you know that in the scripture, God does miracles for people who are not believers who were evil? You don't have to show up to church to get a miracle. I mean, it helps if you show up to church because you might get, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? God can heal anyone at any time, right? We also believe that there is a lot for us to learn about our physical health, our mental health, and our spiritual health. We also believe that talk therapy is helpful. We also believe that there are medications that are helpful. We believe that removing a stigma around mental health is something Jesus followers should do. I said it. We believe that Jesus' followers should remove a stigma around mental health. Now, let me just, one other quick comment, and i got to move on to why I'm here. Don't do yourself a disservice by self-diagnosing or getting a friend to diagnose you. WebMD is helpful and hurtful. And all the magazines that give you mental health quizzes and all this... So let me just make a quick other further comment. Pastor Rebecca and I have been involved in pastoral counseling for more than 21 years. 
For 21 years, we've been helping people with pastoral counseling. We are not licensed therapists, but we are pastoral counselors, okay? You will damage yourself if you self-diagnose yourself. Don't do that. Don't do that. If you have experienced a challenge, if you are grieving over the loss of a loved one, if you are dealing with anxiety, insecurity, depression in certain ways, don't tell yourself you have a disorder without being properly evaluated. That's damaging. Don't let someone else who said, oh, I think you're bipolar, I think you're this, I think that. Whoa! Let's rip the band-aid off and let's rip off the wrong diagnoses. There's a big difference between I've had an emotion and I have a disorder. Disorders, I'm not a therapist. Disorders are when it affects your daily life to a point that is beyond help in your current situation. Okay? But what I have found is that there are a lot of people that are, oh, I'm this and I'm that. Have you ever been diagnosed? I got about 50 reasons to tell you that I have arthritis, but a doctor's never told me I do. <laughs> I'm trying to be helpful. Yeah. Don't self-diagnose. Yeah. Right. Don't keep your pain in the dark. Yes. There is an enemy of your soul, and here's his strategy. He wants you to isolate yourself, pretend like it's not a problem, don't tell anybody, don't talk about it. Yeah. He'll use fear, he'll use pride, he'll use any mechanism he can use for you to just stay to yourself. Bring it out into the light. In this room, there are safe relationships, there are qualified relationships, there are people that can be a help to you, that are not here to judge you, critique you, put you down. There are no second class people. I'm just as valuable as any human life in this room. Hello? We're not here to fix each other. We're here to help each other take next steps in following Jesus. Pastor Ben, that was good. God's love is strong where you are not. You are a spiritual being created by design. When we approach our spiritual health with a self-focus, it will always become incomplete. Only in a God-focused approach to spiritual health, typo, Can we be made complete? Listen, your spiritual health does involve how you're feeling, how you're thinking, what's going on in your life. But if you derive your identity, if you start your focus on your spiritual health with who you are and what you think and you being the boss, it's always going to be incomplete. You're always going to be disappointed. There's always going to be a problem because you're building on a faulty foundation. If your spiritual health will start with a God focus, you have a chance. So just real quick, in talking about anxiety and insecurity, I want to focus on the incarnation of Jesus as a doctor and how it helps us with that weakness. Somebody say, thank you, Pastor Ben. Bring it! Okay. Listen. Jesus Christ put things into put things right through his incarnation. C.S. Lewis wrote that if there is a God, we certainly don't relate to him as the people on the first floor of a building relate to people on the second floor. A few of you will get the inside joke there with the image on the screen. We don't relate to people as I'm on the first floor and God's on the second floor. We relate to him the way Hamlet relates to Shakespeare. We, the characters, might be able to know quite a lot about the playwright, but only to the degree that the author chooses to put information about himself in the play. In Christian view, however, 
We believe that God did even more than simply give us information. Many fans of Dorothy Sayers' detective stories and mystery novels point out that Sayers was one of the first women to attend Oxford University. The main character in her stories, a Lord Peter Whimsey, is an aristocratic sleuth and a single man. At one point in the novels, though, a new character appears, Harriet Vane. She is described as one of the first women who ever graduated Oxford and as a writer of mystery novels. Eventually, she and Peter fall in love and marry. Who was she? Many believe Sayers looked into the world she created, fell in love with her lonely hero, and wrote herself into the story to save him. Very touching. (laughs) On a Tuesday. But that is not nearly as moving or amazing as the reality of the incarnation. God, as it were, looked into the world. He made and saw our lostness and had pity on his people. And so he wrote himself into human history as its main character. The second person in the Trinity, the Son of God, came into the world as a man, Jesus Christ. Listen, he walked the earth completely human. He did not walk around in like... uh, uh, Almost said Harry Potter. Mary Poppins. He didn't marry Poppins his chores. He didn't go into his room. His mom told him to go. Mary said, go, go clean your room. He didn't have this full divine power in such a way where he was just stepping through his chores. He set aside his divine powers in his time on earth. Otherwise, the scripture would not be true that he was tempted in every way that we are, and yet without sin. Jesus could have. I'm messing with your head now, aren't I? (laughs) See, the fact of the matter is if we think that Jesus was just like a superhero walking around in our world, we have a cheap theology that doesn't give us a depth of understanding of who Jesus really is. Because the truth of the matter is, Jesus felt pain. Philippians 2 talks about this. He didn't consider his place in heaven as being so valuable, more valuable than us. Instead, he chose to come down to this earth. He was completely human. He was no longer in his heavenly home. He loved his friends and family. Seems he was a good listener when you read the stories. Jesus heard about their anxiety and fear. He wept when they suffered and died. He was ignored at times. He was a subject of gossip. He was falsely accused and betrayed by close friends. And I, I felt that pain the last couple of weeks being falsely accused. It's a human nature. We get hurt. We get angry. Jesus felt pain. Here's the beautiful thing. What John saw is that Jesus is now talking to Father God for us. Father God has right next to him, Jesus the Son, who is an expert on life on this earth. Who knows what we're going through. That should be valuable information. So it's reasonable to believe that God understands what we're going through and wants to help us expel anxiety and insecurity. Let me unpack a little bit what I mean. Emotional stress psychologists describe as somewhere foundationally for us in our person there is stress because we are believing that something we care about 
a lot is not safe. Whether it be ourself, whether it be a relationship, whether it be our finances, stress, anxiety, insecurity often come in when there's, we're believing that something is not secure. If we are sweeping our thoughts and feelings under the rug, we are preventing ourselves from coming to real peace. We've got to bring them out. We've got to unpack them. We've got to stop. Like the psalm said, I lift up my soul to you, God. Why is my soul so downcast? Why? If we're not honest about what we're thinking and feeling, real transformative peace is not possible. So let's use some verses of Scripture to help us with the incarnation of Jesus address anxiety and insecurity. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge Him. He will direct your path. We talked about it earlier today. Trusting God is not easy. But if I stay isolated with my trust issues with God, it's not going to change for the better. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 says this, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. This is a verse worth memorizing, worth praying, worth adding to your daily affirmations. It's a whole lot more powerful than I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone people like me. A spirit of fear. What's a spirit of fear? When anxiety, when insecurity, when doubt, when worry, when stress have become a controlling, impacting force. Maybe it comes on and I don't know why it comes on. Did it come from you? Did it come from God? No. Did it come from an outside source? Maybe. Did it come from your enemy? Possibly. Not all the time. We can give the devil more credit than he deserves. God, but what we can say at any moment is that God has not given me this. And by identifying where it came from, it helps me know what to do with it and how to view it. Power, love, and a sound mind, meaning an ability to control my thoughts and feelings. That would be how we would translate the Greek there. God has given me power. God has given me strength. God has given me this agape love. God has given me this ability to control my thoughts and feelings. So God didn't give me that. God can give me this. So memorize this verse. Write this verse. Pray this verse. Write your name into this verse. This is really good. Some of y'all are just like barely tasting it. All right. (laughs) Romans chapter 8, just lifting a few phrases from Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 37. Can anything separate us from Jesus' love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble? No. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. This, This is good stuff. This is worth testing. This is worth trying. Watch this now. Romans 15, verse 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, where does my hope come from? The source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's good. That's transformative. 
First John chapter 4, verse 17 uh, through 19. As we, and John, in this case, is writing as an older man, and historians have noted multiple accounts where John liked to call everybody little children. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure it was shorter in the Greek. You know, mijo, mija, some Puerto Ricans say, hey, it's okay. Listen, if you experience insecurity and anxiety, you're not less than. You're not weaker than. You're not weaker or less than anybody in this room. You're not less mature. You're human. Welcome to the human club. You're in the human race. It's okay. That's the spirit in which John writes this. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. And perfect love expels fear. The more I take in God's perfect love into me, the more fear, anxiety, and security will be pressed out. Some of us have heard that, oh, perfect love casts out fear, and so we're just waiting for God to go, ha ha! (laughs) But that's not what the verse is really saying. He's saying when I take God's love in and in and in and in, God's perfect love, not my understanding of God's love based on how other humans have treated me. No, that's worse than a racism. That's treating God with prejudice. No, God is perfect. He's not like the people you know. When I take God's love for me in and in and in, it expels, it presses out, it removes. And that's the thing about Christianity. It's not something where you see somebody growing by looking on the outside. Christianity is very much an inside-out kind of thing. I've found many, many times that for months or years a person is doing all the things that you might think that show that they just are not in a good place. But on the inside, there's a spiritual thing that is going and growing and changing. And there is strength that is building. I know that might sound a little crazy, but it's true. It's true. Now, to each of the verses I shared with you this morning, here's some questions that I would encourage you this week to apply to them. You can write them down. You can. What is the plain, simple truth of this verse? We just kind of did that with the last verse. The plain, simple truth is that the more that I take in God's love, the more that anxiety and these things are going to be pressed out. Did you know that in the scripture, there are 365 verses that speak about worry, anxiety, and fear? One for every day. It's like God knew what he was doing. (laughs) What's the plain, simple truth of this verse? What does that plain, simple truth say about God? What does that plain, simple truth say about me? Now, once I've written out the answer to that question, then I can ask, what does that mean? Are you getting it? This is how you love God with... All y'all, intellect, passion, everything. What does it say about God? What does it say about me? What does that mean? And does it matter? Does it? I grew up in church. I hated church people, honestly. So on Sunday, I'm always thinking, okay, so what? That's just the way my brain works. Because if it doesn't matter when we walk out of here, can't we just stay in bed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, maybe I'm the only one. All right. Does it matter? Is the truth in that verse, does it matter in my life? Because if it doesn't, read another book. How does the change, how does that change what I think? How does that change what I feel? What's the plain, simple truth? What does it say about God? What does it say about me? What does that mean? Does it matter? And then how does that change what I think and how I feel? And lastly, what should I do about this? Lisa did a great job sharing earlier about interacting with self-talk. Mastering that inner voice. Or I've heard called crashing the chatterbox. You've got a voice on the inside of your head that's saying things that are not helpful to you. Jeremiah says that the human emotions are not reliable. They're created by God. They have use. They're not. What you're thinking and feeling is not always reliable. Yeah. Welcome to the human race. <laughs> what should I do about this? In closing this morning, here's some suggestions for this afternoon. Before or after your nap. <laughs> Memorize the verse so that you can pray it. This one's been so helpful for me because I can pray at any moment. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. I feel the crazy cycle going, when I feel insecurity going, if I anxiety going, wait, wait, whoa, time out. What am I feeling? What am I thinking? Why am I feeling and thinking those ways? And does that line up with the truth of God? Memorize the verse so you can pray it. Write out truth statements that you've learned. Write out truth statements that you've learned and keep them with you. For years I've kept pieces of paper in my pocket and I have an app on my phone with a little note thing and I keep them in there. Keep it on your person at all times, these truth statements that you learn. Let me just tell you something. These truth statements will be interesting to you when you hear me describe them. But when you discover them on your own, they will be life-changing. See, church is not an event you attend. It is us who have a relationship with Jesus coming together for a common purpose. You can hear somebody else talk about their relationship with God. That's exciting. And then go back to the rest of your life, which is insert word there. (laughs) And I don't understand. It felt so good on Sunday. Do you have the shovel out? Are you digging into the word yourself? Are you doing the work To identify what you're thinking and feeling, pulling out the word of God, the truth of God, and seeing if the two line up, how they line up, and letting that change. This is not something that you do so God will love you more. So important for us to understand this. God loves you the most right now. In whatever state you're in. You could be plotting my murder right now and God loves you. God loves Saul when he was breathing murder. Hello? We don't do stuff to prove something to God or to get God's love from Him. God loves you today. 
He saved you because he loves you. And the gospel, the basics of the good news of Jesus are a foundation on which we build our spiritual health. Stand with me. Let's close in prayer, please. Lord, this is not easy for us. But I thank you, Jesus, that you understand. God, please help us. Help us in our internal health and our spiritual health to address where stress, where anxiety, where worry, where fear is affecting us in ways that are not healthy. And help us in you to find love from the one who has known us since we were in our mother's womb. Help us to find in you strength where there has not been strength, joy where there has not been joy, peace where there has not been peace. Help us to learn your words, pray them, and in you find life-giving change. Thank you for that today, God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.